Welcome to Collaborating, the podcast series of the Collaborative for Business Development. Welcome back to Collaborating, the podcast that focuses on all things revenue, best and next practices in sales, marketing, and eliminating organizational obstacles to success. As you know, or I think you know, we encourage feedback and topic requests, and here's one that we received recently. Quote, I would enjoy a discussion of marketing and selling a very small practice and the unique benefits and challenges that come with this dynamic. By small, I mean a practice that is one of a combination of the following. Two to ten employees, ten to twenty-five million dollars in assets under management, less than fifty active clients, Pure fee for advice, no insurance, no commissions, or portfolio management. So I guess they outsource their investment process and investing. So as you can probably tell, this is an investment advisory firm. We do a lot of work with investment advisory firms and wealth management firms. And so I will talk about this today whilst interpreting what the person is asking for in talking about or requesting the unique benefits and challenges that come with this dynamic. Now, there's several ways I could respond, such as by discussing studies on the subject of small business or best practices of small business, or I could take the subjective route, the perspective of being a small business owner ourselves in that 2 to 10 people range, because this yields much in the way, certainly, of unique benefits and challenges. So what I'll do is I'll focus on the latter two perspectives, that is, best practices, and then near the end of the podcast, our own experience. Our listener's question was asked in relation to his business, as I said, which is a fee-only financial planner. So while I will discuss specifics to that kind of business, I'll also offer thoughts that apply to any business, because we do work with both small and large firms across industries. So let's talk about best practices first, and then again at the end, I'll offer a personal perspective from observing firms we've worked with and our own. Now, you may not be an ocean liner. In fact, you're You may be a very small ship at this point, but whether your firm is new or old, big or small, to a ship without a rudder, as the old saying goes, any port is home. It's never too late to set that ship on the right course by actually plotting a course and having it known to everybody that you're working with. Because the clearer you are about what you're trying to accomplish and where you want to go, the easier it is to prioritize what you need to do and to have everyone in your firm, even if it's small, understand that and get on board. So when your direction is vague, sometimes making decisions on a day-to-day basis about what to do next is made more difficult and valuable time gets wasted. So having a clear plan, this is it. so this is point number one, a clear plan, a clear set of priorities and a clear list of what needs to be done and who will do it frees up time and energy to accomplish more in less time in many cases. Even a one-person business can benefit from creating a plan document with ideas written down because the process of simply producing a plan is useful and valuable. It requires thinking about issues, asking important questions, and uncovering your options and most appropriate courses of action. As soon as a second person is involved, the need for planning multiplies. The plan is critical for communicating values, goals, strategies, and then detailed implementation and the people to enact or to execute. So what are the most important components of a business plan? 
What should you be outlining, thinking about, and communicating? Well, let's talk about these components and what the purpose is of each. So first, the firm's objectives. Think about five years, 10 years out. What will make you look back and say, we've been successful. We are accomplishing what we wanted to do. Give thought to the questions. Why am I doing this? And what will I be doing differently than anyone else? Secondly, the mission. Can you summarize your answers from that first point into a succinct statement describing your passion for this business and your firm's reason for being? This embodies your philosophies, your goals, ambitions, and values. The keys to success. What are your success drivers? What must happen over the short term, the medium, and long term to ensure success? What obstacles might you encounter and how might you address them? The market needs. What do you offer that others don't or don't to the extent required by the market? Products and services. Outline what you have or foresee as your set of offerings. Describe their purpose, who they serve or appeal to, and each product or service's metrics for success or failure. And these first few points are very critical, I'll add, in the investment advisory wealth management arena because with over, what, 13,000 registered investment advisors, the need to clearly define yourself and stand out in this very crowded market is critical to success. And the small firm especially has real challenges in rising above the noise, making the market see how you are different. So really spend a lot of time distinguishing yourself, figuring out how you really are unique and different. What's your target market segment strategy? What are the characteristics of those people or institutions that are the best fit with your philosophy and services, products, offerings? Who will you go after? In what order, a priority, and how? Look at the competition. You've likely heard of SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Definitely something that a new firm should think about and an exercise to go through right at the outset. You should probably revisit this exercise annually, too, or more so, (laughs) if you're in in, in a high flux, a highly competitive industry. How do you measure up against other firms? Review their websites for new or changing messaging products and activities. Talk to other influencers in your industry to learn to get their take on the market and solicit comparisons from prospects. What's your competitive edge? Your edge comes from answering the so what question with confidence. As you list your differentiators, answer so what? Why does, why should anyone listen to what we have to say? Why should anyone pay attention to us and to what we're doing in the marketplace. Your sales and growth strategy. How will you market to your targets? How will sales happen? And who is in charge? Go into much more detail in your sales and marketing plan, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but you should outline here at a high level what your plan is. And then finally, a financial plan. Any worthwhile plan includes financial analysis, so here you're projecting profit and loss, cash flow, and budgeting your goals and objectives. We strongly emphasize getting input from staff members, too, to make this an overall business planning process. If you've done this before, take the time now to check your current situation and see if the plan you have on file is still appropriate for your firm. And now I'll say a word about ILOSAM. ILOSAM I discussed in Episode 8, which is 
the immutable laws of sales and marketing, which means beware putting the sales cart before the infrastructure horse. Too many times we've seen small firms make the mistake of trying to rush to market with a product, a service, without really thinking about that infrastructure that's going to support it. Sales, marketing, client service, product development, you name it. Too many firms, too many young firms are under tremendous pressure and they rush to market before they at least have given some thought to it and hopefully have something in place, whether it's personnel they have on board or whether it's outside virtual resources that they're using. I would recommend go back and listen to episode 8 if you are a small firm. And now also a word about communicating and communication. And I talked at length about this in episode 21, Five Keys to Building a Corporate Culture by Design. And the real critical notion here is that communication is critical to success, certainly later in life of your business, but very much as you're growing because everyone is going crazy. Everyone is doing a thousand jobs at once, but if a premium is not put on communication, you're very likely to spiral out of control. So make sure that the structure, the processes, the times are set aside for communicating and also understand what is critical to be communicated. Get that kind of feedback from your staff. Make sure it's in place. Sales and marketing planning. Planning your business growth activities is fundamental to growing. There are two considerations, sales and marketing planning. These are often confused, but they're not the same thing. One is strategic how you will go into the market, your target, your value proposition, and your brand and image, which is your marketing plan. The other is more tactical, what you will actually do, who will you be selling to, when and what they will do, and how you will measure it. These are the components of your sales plan. As your first step, marketing planning revolves around the strategy and tactics necessary to building market awareness, establishing your uniqueness in a crowded marketplace, and supporting the sales or sales efforts. So there's four steps to constructing a marketing plan. Defining your goals, number one. Number two, determining your target, positioning and channels, the marketing strategy. Number three, selecting the appropriate tools for your firm. Those are the tactics. Number four, putting it all together, developing and implementing a marketing plan. Using the goals you outlined in your business plan, you should next drill down to a finer level of detail in determining marketing strategy. When your firm is small or has limited resources, clearly determining your target market and positioning is crucial to gaining traction, that is growth, by optimizing your efforts. Sales planning should be done in concert with your marketing plan. A sales plan should include clear steps, objectives, and accountabilities to implement the overall marketing efforts. We see too often marketing, marketing actions that are no way, in no way tethered to the sales activities. So make sure that everything you're doing in marketing supports what you're doing in sales and vice versa. A written sales plan gives you and everyone in the firm a clear depiction of the what's, why's, how's, and when's of your selling effort. Salespeople or people in some kind of selling type of role need to know what's expected of them, and a written sales plan can help to outline specific job responsibilities and metrics. Full communication of the sales plan allows all areas, client services, your operations group, administrative, etc., to ask questions and plan for their role in support. Even in the smallest of firms, communicating where you are against the plan on a monthly or quarterly basis can help staff members link their performance to the overall success. 
In many cases, a small firm may work best when the principals or firm founders are doing the selling, as they typically have the most knowledge, emotional investment, and desire to be successful. Be aware, however, that over the long run, this invites several risks. First, as the firm grows, it becomes increasingly difficult for principals or founders to separate themselves from client or customer responsibilities to focus on leading the firm. Second, the firm can become known just for its founder's personality. This diminishes the firm's brand as the person becomes the star rather than the firm and the team as a whole. So, for instance, in the wealth management industry, founders or principals are often great at investing or financial planning or financial management, but may not have the behavior style and skill set of the best marketers or salespeople. And then third, there is the question of skill set for the long run. So, for instance, in the wealth management industry, the founders or principals are often great at investing or financial management, but may not have the behavior style or the skill set of the best marketers or salespeople, those that are really going to take the firm to the next level. So whether it's the firm founder or principal or a specific person hired to do selling, in order to make the most use of time, you want to be sure that everyone is set up for business building success. Consider some of the following questions to see whether there's room for improvement in your firm. Does your written sales plan outline expectations and accountabilities and document success so that everyone knows what they're striving for? Do you have selling responsibilities clearly defined in the job expectations of people within your firm? Is selling considered to be as important as other activities in the firm? Do you track and measure number of prospects, number of closes, lost prospects, etc.? Does your compensation motivate the people expected to sell to do so? Is sales compensation fair to both the people selling and to the firm? These questions provide valuable insights to help you understand whether you are prioritizing the sales aspect of what you do and whether you are clear with everyone in the firm about what's expected. In, in the advisor market, it's often easy for an advisor to turn their attention to everything but selling because it might not, might not feel natural. As such, it's critical to show that the sales and business growth side is valuable. Tracking, measuring, confirming accountabilities on associated comp, and having a written plan should all be in place for the focus on growth. In your firm, think about the following questions. How do we currently get information on potential clients, prospects, suspects? What tools do we use to introduce our firm to a suspect or prospect? What are the steps in our sales cycle that move someone from being just a prospect to a new client? Can we match our current materials to each step of the prospect-to-client buying cycle? Can each person in our firm who needs to clearly and easily tell our story when engaging with a prospect or client. Does everyone engaged in selling know how to describe what we do versus our competitors? And how are we tracking budget and investments made in new sales activities? To a lot of these questions, the answer could be to at least start with having a CRM, a Customer Relation Management System, to help track your sales and marketing activities. Every firm should have a CRM to track new business and to compile information on suspects and prospects. When a prospect enters the firm as a client, having tracked information in one easily accessible place saves time and effort as the client is matriculated into the firm. Once again, research shows that the most successful firms are planning and process-driven. Let's talk about optimizing the organization. In trying to grow a small firm, you must also be careful in how you manage yourself. 
you're probably now or will be wearing many hats. Not knowing and managing yourself or doing it in an inefficient way may lead to frustration, uh, burnout, or worse, like damage to your health. What are your personal goals? How do these intersect with your business? How are you managing and prioritizing your activities? Efficiency encompasses a couple of different aspects. Personal efficiency of firm leaders along the lines of time management and knowing what the priorities are for firm efficiency. Efficiency means a couple of things. It means personal efficiency of firm leaders in regards to time management and knowing what the priorities are for firm efficiency. The most efficient leaders are able to get more done often because they have a plan. And number two, have the time to execute their plan. The leader of a small firm is usually best served by focusing on what they do well and then delegating or outsourcing what needs to be done. Those things that they neither do well nor enjoy doing. And thinking of optimization, we often think of time management. And this is more of a function of personal management. Everyone has the same amount of hours and minutes in any given day and the same amount of days in any given week. The question is, what are you doing with those minutes, hours, and days? Being able to manage yourself is a function of a few different things. Clarity of goals and associated priorities, knowing what needs to be done. Organizing what needs to be done so that priorities are met. Delegating and overseeing. Confidence in the people you delegate activities to. And smart outsourcing. Clarity of goals and priorities means keeping the right activities in front of you at all times. Once you have your business goals clearly defined, it's important to list your activities and prioritize them. What's the most important in any given day, week, or month to accomplish in order to move you closer to your goals. When you know what needs to be done, your priorities, you must get very rigorous about making sure your time is spent on those things that are most important instead of squandered throughout the day on things that don't matter as much. It's critical to learn to say no to activities that aren't beneficial to your long-term goals and to delegate to others where you may not have the skill set or interest. To be sure you and your staff are the most time efficient possible Spend a week doing some time tracking. This involves recording what you're doing every five minutes. Don't think about it. Just record it in an Excel spreadsheet or Word doc. You want to be able to answer, where has my time really gone? Being time efficient and effective, as we've just discussed, is critical, but you must also take into account the human element. How are you managing yourself and your team? Things like knowing where you are and where you're headed, making sure you have the right people in the right roles, and that they're as efficient as they can be, using good sales practices and managing your own stress levels, all of this is very important. It starts with building a winning team. Leaders in small businesses often ask, when do I hire the next person? How do I know it's time to expand my business? While it would be nice to have a cookie-cutter process for this, it's more the case that each firm is individual in its culture, objectives, target market, and existing staff. As such, the decision to hire and expand is an individual one. There's three key factors in determining when to hire. Number one, the firm's growth plans and current design. This includes thinking about succession planning, freeing the founder or leader up to do other things, or a desire to run a more efficient, scalable operation. Cash flow, the amount of money you will need to allocate from your existing revenue stream to a new hire, and the ROI associated with this. And three, responsibilities and duties, the importance of the tasks and functions you want a new person to handle. So first, consider strategically where you want your firm to grow. Going back to your initial business plan, what are you hoping for longer term? How scalable do you need to be and what time allocation do you want to make to the firm? 
you also need to examine what you're good at and what, what tasks you enjoy and which ones, if allocated to a new hire, might free you up to manage your firm more efficiently. Cash flow is important because while you need to spend money to make money in strategic areas, you also want to balance your own income needs and expenses for the firm. Before you simply insert a new hire, you want to review where you're currently spending money and how this new role will enable you to become more efficient from an ROI perspective. Once you determine you're ready to hire, be sure to have a thorough job description and know exactly where this role fits in your organization. There are opportunities to have interim staff such as a CFO, salesperson, an HR person. Sometimes with a smaller firm, it can be fruitful to, you know, try before you buy, where you have an interim or part-time staffer who may turn out to be a full-time hire if they do well. Many firms believe they have a clear process for hiring and managing, find out that they have holes that still could be fixed and they'd be more efficient if they were. So ask questions such as, do you have a process for creating job descriptions and accountabilities, really figuring out, do you need this role? Why do you need this role? And then fully fleshing out who it reports to and what are the success factors. Do you know the right people to have involved in the hiring process? Do your interviewers have experience in behavioral-based interviewing? And are they comfortable interviewing? Do you have a process for organizing a formal offer and delivering it? Do your employees feel prepared to do their jobs? Do you offer ongoing training or coaching to employees who desire it? Do you measure employee improvement to ensure success? In other words, do you have a formal feedback loop and process for giving reviews? Do you know the metrics for top-performing employees in different functions, and do you believe your employees are best in class? These are all the, the, the questions that a small firm, well, large firms, but a small firm especially should be asking to make sure that they're ready to move on to the next step. And just switching gears here a little bit from my own perspective, operating, running a small company is brings a lot of uh, joy. It's, it's great to be your own boss. It's great to be in control. But one thing we know, and one thing we would certainly assert to any small business, is really focus on the fundamentals. Focus on the things that we talked about in this podcast. Focus heavily on communication, really from top to bottom, left to right. Put the processes in place that people really feel communicated with, to, and that they are communicating or that they are contributing to the process themselves that they're being heard. Get the roles locked down, get the processes locked down every step of the way as you grow, or pretty soon you'll find that you are in a hurricane with all hands on deck, nobody knowing who's doing what and when, and really struggling to get a lasso around the, uh, the, the, the wild bronching bull that is your growing business. Hope this was helpful. Don't know if I hit the mark on what our listener was asking for in talking about in talking about the unique benefits and challenges that come with this dynamic, the dynamic of a small business. But whether it's this listener or any of you out there, if I didn't hit the mark on exactly some of the hot topics that impact you as a small business person, let me know. We'll, we'll construct another podcast on this topic. As usual, I'll add that we welcome feedback, we welcome your comments, we welcome your ideas for another podcast, for another show. Contact us at podcast at the-collaborative.com or 888-580-9473. You're always welcome to give us a call. And until next time, keep on collaborating.